Hello and welcome to the exam hall. This is the podcast where every episode I sit down with a guest and we answer questions from what is known as the hardest exam in the world, the All Souls College Oxford Fellowship Exam. My name is Cherry and I am your host. I am an ex-education professional, soon to be uni student and I am currently enjoying a lovely glass of San Pellegrino. It's not in a glass, it's in a can. I don't know why I said that. If you are a returning listener, thank you for returning. Welcome back. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, number one, I'm very glad you have chosen us for all your podcasting needs today. And let me clue you in on what's going on here. All Souls College Oxford is one of the most prestigious and exclusive academic institutions in the world. Applicants must sit four three-hour papers, two specialist papers and two general papers, which is where we will be drawing our questions from. If you are lucky enough to be one of two appointed fellows, you are given funding for a seven-year period to fund any research project of your choice. To be eligible to apply, you must already hold a degree from Oxford or be currently studying there at postgraduate level. However, here at the exam hall, we have no eligibility criteria. Everybody is welcome. Everybody is equal. So let me welcome my very gorgeous and very little (laughs) lad-esque guest for today's episode, Maria Telnikov, how you doing, Maria? I'm good. Um, I am. I am channeling little lad energy. It's very berries and cream. Very berries and cream. I'm a little lad who loves <laughs> berries and cream. For anyone who doesn't know that Starburst commercial, that's a very confusing reference point. <laughs> but let me let me explain it to you because jokes are always funnier when you explain them. No, for sure. Maria is currently dressed in a waistcoat and shorts that resemble sort of 18th century shorts you might put on a little boy Um, and we're referencing a starburst commercial where a man with a bob says berries and cream berries and cream I'm a little lad who likes berries and cream well I actually got like majorly rizzed on today by a probably 90 year old man which means I'm doing something right he said nice smile and honestly in a very charming way but I think it's just Did you because get his number. I think it's just because I look like a little boy. <laughs> Honestly. Oh no, oh no. There oh, are some no. the implications there are horrifying. So let's move on. <clears throat> let's move swiftly on. Let's move swiftly on. Maria, welcome to the exam hall. Thank you so much for having me. May I ask, what qualifications do you have to be here today? And we use qualifications in a very liberal sense. Mm. Those qualifications could be being alive for X number of years, or they could be qualifications in traditional sense, such as being um, a lawyer at the top lawyer firm mm. in London. That Those were words <laughs> in the right order that make me sound very smart. Yes, they are. What qualifications do I have? I mean, I have just like bags of clout. Firstly, I like to think that things happen in my life due to my insane clout levels. Okay. But uh, in terms of formal qualifications, I I finished school um, when I was 18, like a lot of kids, but not, not all kids do. And I'm like actually a certified wanker because <laughs> I, went, <laughs> I went to the University of Cambridge um, and studied classics there. But before I did that, I'd studied for a year in America. 
Did you? It was, honestly, I would not recommend it to anyone. I think California is a satanic place. You were in California. I was in California. I learned something new about you. I honestly don't like to talk that much about it because it was, it was fine. Like, I think people hear that and think it must have been amazing, but it really wasn't. And it honestly just, it made me more anti-America than (laughs) I ever was before. But yeah, like I finished the University of Cambridge. Big up. Big brain on this one. Look at her. She's got such a fit brain. But yeah, so I guess certified wanker from the University of Cambridge. But also, I guess, you know, student of life. Because I think we're always learning. Or at least we should be. Well, Maria, welcome to the podcast. I am very glad to have a fellow wanker here today. Today's question, for the second time in a row, comes from the General Paper 2 from 2005, and it is, why does truthfulness matter? Question mark. Big question. Already regretting choosing that one. (laughs) Um, Why did you choose it? Let's start there. I think just because... As a a poet and a philosopher in my everyday life, I think that um, I've actually, I interrogate a lot what words mean. And I'm sure of one thing, as Socrates would say, is that I know nothing. And I actually know nothing. I know people like to say that. And what with my classical education you'd think I know a lot of things but I really don't and I think a lot of people say no you're just being hard on yourself but I just I feel like I don't know a single thing and maybe it's just because I'm in my 20s and maybe that's just the classic oh you feel like you're learning less and less or you're knowing less and less about yourself but I just think it's important to like interrogate why things exist (laughs) definitely also i'm a lying scumbag (laughs) (laughs) i guess the way to start tackling this question Mm. how are we mm, defining truthfulness yeah and how are we measuring what matters like how do we measure the importance of something yeah so I think there's a difference between truth or truthfulness and honesty. Okay. Because I think that you can be honest or at least think you're honest, but that might not be the truth. Like when a kid is lying and the mother's like, tell the truth to me, you little fuck. Wait, are we allowed to swear? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. F-U-C-K. <laughs> when a a parent tells off a child for for lying and is like tell me the truth did you eat that lego <laughs> i don't know i don't know what kids do these days mm-hmm. did you eat that ipad <laughs> <laughs> did you eat my ipad <laughs> meanwhile like broken bits of glass and like like wires wires and the motherboard like coming out my mouth anyway but when when timmy eats that ipad 
because he's a weirdo cyborg. Mm-hmm. And the parent asks them to be truthful. I think what they're asking them is to be honest and to admit to what they've done. But okay. I think that you can admit to what you think you've done or what you think you know you've done, but it might not might not <laughs> it might not be the truth with a capital T because mm. so much of our experience of our lives is subjective. Yeah, truth is a very subjective thing. Isn't yeah. It? And I think I think that's actually why I chose the question because I'm really interested in especially when people talk about a relationship. I think that both people's version of events are valid. Unless yeah. someone's like an actual gaslighter and is like oh, yeah. purposefully manipulating you. That's uh, Let's put that aside. But I just think that both people are right mm. and honest. But who has the ultimate truth? If there is one, we'll never know. And I think even if you could have a recording of everything you did in your life and oh watch God. it so you knew so you knew so you could go back imagine imagine you're having an argument with someone and then you're like wait let me go tell and me get when the when did i say that yeah. when did i say that when <laughs> did i like, ever do that and then i'm like well let's scroll back to season 29 i often <laughs> think about this because like i I doubt my reality so often. Same. I've I'm such a bad memory as well. So I'm honestly, when people tell me that I've done something, I'm like, okay, if you right? say so, which is probably a dangerous thing because it will have me like it? admitting to murder one day. Be like, oh, I, I, I guess. I definitely think you could 110% murder. Like, convince me that I killed JFK. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am Lee Harvey Oswald. Like, I suppose we're touching on a reason here why truth matters because mm. it's like, I mean, it's the world around you, I suppose. And mm. if you don't, it's truth power in a way. If you can use the truth mm. to control people or the lack of truth to, con- uh, to so control people. True. Is Whoa. truth power? Whoa. Or is true just a word that we, or is truth just a word that we use so we can say so true, bestie? And it actually <laughs> doesn't hold any more no, significance maybe. than that. It is purely a word that was invented by Gen Zers in order to validate each other. Truth didn't exist before the late nineties. <laughs> truth, truth came into existence with Gen Z. That was Z. a pre-truth the ulti- world. The ultimate generation. <laughs> BC, <laughs> BT, <laughs> BT broadband. <laughs> Just free associating now. But I think you, you, what you were saying. I think truth and power is really mm. a huge thing because people will use, for instance, politicians will use statistics and they will use truth, quote unquote, in order to convince you of something. But is that really the truth? Because they're bending those statistics. I and don't those fucking events. believe most, most statistics because... No. Uh, for instance uh do you know that a study that apparently you stop your brain stops developing after you're 25 or like you stop yeah. growing after you're 25 everyone's everyone that, uses that that was literally the only reason that people think that is because in that study they didn't have anyone over 25 so they just went oh oh uh well we don't actually have any data for that so let from our graph it just stops 
because they didn't have any over 25 year olds i mean i saw this on twitter so who knows if that was true anyway <laughs> but i believe everything i read on twitter i, twitter, je- I jest i joke the but. t in twitter stands for truth yeah and it's got three t's I mean, truth when it comes to politics is a big talking point, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I know zero about politics. We've established that I know nothing. Mm-hmm. But I also, um, I, I used to care a lot about politics, maybe circa 2016. I genuinely thought I might pursue a career in politics. Really? Because I loved the debate. I was you just into like the arguing. Debate. I was into the arguing, but now looking back on it, I just like to perform i just wanted to take up stage space i just want to dance with the ballet i just want to dance with the ballet (laughs) that was a terrible northern accent i'm so sorry by the way just to clear things up Mm -hmm. um despite maybe people listening to this and being like that bitch is from surrey from leicester guys just want to make that known i'm from the midlands so all you haters who are gonna hear my voice and be like oh sorry born and bred I don't know why I'm picking sorry specifically, but I just want to make it known that I'm from Leicester and I love Leicester. And I think that the Midlands is at once the armpit of England and also its crown jewel. You can't see this, but Maria subconsciously started raising their fist. You started you started raising your fist as you said power. that was actually totally subconscious. <laughs> you were genuine. I was watching it and I was like, is this a bit? Is this a bit? Um, let's get let's go back on track and yeah. talk about truth. So I feel like this idea that truth is subjective and talking about like politics and truth, mm. you could veer off in two directions. You could mm-hmm. say truth does matter because if if we allow let people twist the truth like politicians yeah. or gaslighting assholes, then they can manipulate and mm. and do wrong and yeah. negatively impact the world. So truth is something that can be used to empower and positively impact people. Yeah. But then you could also go like the other way with it and go well truth doesn't matter because it's so easily twistable yeah and we don't really know what it is and I also think that associating truth with goodness is not necessarily helpful it's quite a fairy tale I think it is a fairy tale and I think it's also once again just used by people to manipulate others or oppress others and we don't really know if if finding out the truth will lead to good things Mm. okay we don't even know if truth exists but if it did would we want to know it oh like i'm just thinking of people who find out that you know their partner is a lying scumbag and that brings so much harm i do think that being truthful is necessary but not necessarily (laughs) is not necessarily good and the truth the truth the truth won't set you free i'm already finding myself going into a weird spiral where i might might not really commit to what i say that's That's fine that's one thing that's the thing about essays you have to um give yourself counterpoints don't you yeah i mean in my essay i will quote a music lyric in the conclusion in order to sound relevant that's what i did in all my essays in university did you? 
I quoted Dua Lipa in my final year exam. Two one baby. Thanks, wow. Dua. <laughs> let me let me pull up some definitions of truth and truthfulness, yeah. and you can tell me what you think. Truth, uh, according to the Oxford Dictionary, mm. is the quality or state of being true. Bruh, that's the most annoying definition ever. That's like and saying tea is made of tea bags which contain tea. <laughs> okay, and then they also describe, the Oxford Dictionary describes true mm. as in accordance with fact or reality. Or, yeah, which I guess is kind of what accurate or exact. So two definitions there. Number one, in accordance with fact or reality. Mm. And then number two, accurate or exact i think we've established that facts are not facts and and that's facts 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 is yet another term that did not exist before gen z (laughs) arrived and said facts i think we've established that facts are easily twistable they're very subject to data they're very subject to these think tanks where people gather data and it's it's all just that that's that's bullshit it's it's hard because it's like there it feels like we're defining truth is so hard it feels like there are two types of truth like Mm. truth number one the sofa you're sitting on is blue Oh, we can't get into that. But the, but then again, but like if you're a not, dog, dogs perceive. If you're colour blind, that's not your truth, is it? But is does your personal truth subsede the objective mm. material truth? But what is the objective material truth? Because we never know. It's the classic. We never know if our blues you know, are the, the same. Way blue. That you look at like the, the like I might see the world differently to you, but you know, but there are animals who like p- can perceive different but wavelengths of cover, color, which like melts my melts see, my brain yeah. every time I or think like about it. Noises that we can't hear, like the frequencies. Yeah, I do. I am reminded of that Roald Dahl story because Roald Dahl did not just write children's books; he also wrote adult fiction, which was quite horrifying that we read yeah. in like year year eight and there was this one story about how this man invents a machine which can pick up on frequencies that humans can't hear and he pulls out a flower from his garden and the flower yelps just here's a little yelp but then it goes further because in the climax in the conclusion he um cuts down a tree and it's just like like it's screaming and it's horrifying and and that book that that short story really messed me up because i just thought there's probably a whole there are probably thousands if not millions of conversations that we can't hear especially with the natural world yeah I feel like I'm trying to be more connected with nature, but in general, as like a city cat, I'm not. Well, I've shown you my garden, which well, is incredibly your garden is just stupendous. <laughs> my, I, like, I think the truth the truth of the matter is that Cherry's <laughs> garden is amazing, and that is the only thing we can fully know to be true. My little micro carrot, because I haven't got a pot that's big enough for them. <laughs> micro carrot feels like a a slightly sexual pun and innuendo but oh baby why don't you come over here and see my My micro carrot carrot. you like dirt let me show you my garden (laughs) (laughs) yeah i do think that truth is difficult because 
I think truth becomes very difficult when there's elements which force you to question your reality, which could be physical or mental or or other question mark. But uh, so if you lose a limb or if if you're in physical pain, I think that reality becomes a lot harder to make sense of, and it's right. actually quite quite frightening like like ghost limbs and stuff like that right yeah totally and I think it is quite frightening that our grip on reality is actually a lot uh lighter than we think yeah and it can be so easily changed maybe even by an event you know and obviously it could be could be something huge like death or I, I say huge like death but What's more mundane than someone's the life big ending? D. Yeah, <laughs> wrong choice. <laughs> wrong choice. Wrong choice. Wrong, wrong choice. choice. Gonna get my head out the gutter. Get it out the gutter. We are all in the gutter, but some of us are looking up at the stars. Oscar Wilde. I've I've seen that quote <laughs> on Pinterest too, and I thought it was the deepest thing ever. I wrote that quote down when I was like fourteen and stuck it to my desk. And, and felt like I, I used a it in my bullet journal. Philosopher. <laughs> I was, I was like, like, I'm one of the philosopher kings that Aristotle or, or Plato <laughs> wanted to rule rule the world. I I wrote that down in my bullet journal, <laughs> and I was like, I have discovered the truth of the universe. I think we're on to something really interesting, which is that all original thought is unoriginal, and therefore actually comforting because yeah. maybe we're hitting at universal truths universal truth maybe (laughs) maybe the fact that we all are effectively if we're writing about anything or if we're creating something they all come back to actually quite basic and yet uh as i say universal this idea of like the human condition and relatable truths so i yeah i agree so maybe rather than despairing because we're all trying to create something quote unquote original, yeah, we should be comforted by the fact that we are all grasping at the same questions in our own, you know, idiosyncratic and unique yeah. ways, but we are all concerned with the same thing. So maybe by virtue of, of that, it, some people might express it better than others, but we're all on that same I don't like to use the word journey because it makes it sound hippie. Path. Path. All down the same lane. (laughs) All in the same swimming lane. Boulevard of broken dreams. (laughs) We're all in the same... (laughs) We're in the same boulevard of... Boulevard. We're all in the same boulevard of broken dreams. (laughs) That sounds like a Hollywood movie from the 1950s. It's a song. Oh, I'm just uncultured. It's a, it's like an emo song from the 2000s. You are uncultured. Mm. I mean, I've really outed myself as just a huge weirdo, but that's yeah. okay. I'm speaking my truth and <laughs> nobody can stop me. <laughs> I think maybe that is what is uh, annoying about the word truth is that recently it just feels so co-opted by people who are like, speak your truth girl Mm. but i'm like what is my truth i don't know i'm a question mark (laughs) 
I don't know if if anything I do is real so why are you telling me to speak my truth when I don't know if I'm can even be honest with myself or truthful this is a big thing like inner truth and being and I'm a very truthful and open person in general I pride myself on being too open (laughs) <laughs> is it is it called oversharing or is it called a commitment to truth <laughs> <laughs> I, you're touching on something interesting here which is just like like concept of inner truth and like I, mm. I mean in why does truthfulness matter i think there is something really important about like i don't know it's so easy to live in denial i think this question of inner truth when people talk about you know being truthful with yourself and as you said people can be in denial about yeah. their inner truths but I often wonder whether the people who are in denial are in some ways living the truth because I think of people who have big imaginations mm-hmm. and big fantasy worlds and who see the world in a way that might be perceived as odd or weird, but that's their own truth. And sometimes when they express it, it feels more truthful than the objective truth, which is just doorknobs and cereal and blue couches. Yeah. I See, I... See, I think you can be really imaginative and really live in your own world, but still have this idea of, like... I think, like, that thing you're talking about, about, like, sort of men not being introspective. Mm. I think, like, being introspective with yourself and trying to learn about your, like, learning, yeah, trying to be truthful with yourself is really important and not living in, when I say living in denial, I don't mean, mm. like, people who live in fantasy worlds. Listen, I fucking love fantasy yeah, worlds. No, I love I, de- yeah. daydreaming. Mm. I'm li- like, I love D&D and TTRPGs. I love all of that, like, pretending yeah. to be someone else. But I also think there's, I mean, that's that's me living my truth. Living in yeah. fantasy worlds, it's me living my truth because I'm exploring characters and myself mm. through the realm of fantasy and imagination. Yeah, you're right. But there's still that underlying level, which is somehow sticking to oneself yeah Yeah, you're right that 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 fantasy can be or or imagination can be a portal through which to express or like understand your own inner truth and self yeah um but like is the self truthful is is are we just or are we just kidding ourselves that we're understanding ourselves because you know maybe we, we we might think god i've really like i've gone to therapy yeah i've thought about myself i've done the work i'm always suspicious of that because because how do you know how can you feel confident that yeah. then you're you really have been truthful with yourself although i for one would love a therapist because I've only ever been to therapy once uh, which I got for free from uni and I just told all my problems and didn't get any and then the time was up the time was up but I would I, I'm so curious about therapy and would, would love so if anyone's listening and wants to give me free therapy 
then hit me up. Babes, just start a podcast. Babe, it's much just cheap. Honestly, it's much cheaper. This and is you just get to like vent at people for an hour and a half. It's great. Can we do this every week at a scheduled <laughs> time? I mean, I'm on a couch. It's already pretty Freudian, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Or Jungian. Because there are different types of therapists. Yeah. I think I would kind of like a weird Jungian one. Even though they might tell me everything is like, they might just lead me down the weird path, but mm. I think I'd be into that. God, it's just what I mean. What a little rabbit hole we found ourselves what down. A little, what a queer little rabbit hole, Alice. Apparently, the character of the Mad Hatter, nope, the Queen of Hearts, nope. I don't remember the end of the fact, so cut that Who, okay <laughs> cut that shit <laughs> okay i'll or cut. keep it because we're committed to truth oh my god this i mean this i mean speaking <laughs> about truth and like hiding truths mm. these podcasts are very heavily edited not to the point where i like compl- like i move pe- the words around in sentences to make people say <laughs> stuff say things like, like i hate women joe biden <laughs> 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 it's like you know those um uh, political videos do you remember uh, after nick clegg all that shit happened and they like edit they edit into yeah. a song yeah that's like, what you I'm, do that is exactly what i I'm do i'm sorry i'm sorry oh my god i'm, I'm so, so, so so sorry i haven't thought about the that liberal in years democrats would like to say they're sorry <laughs> or like buttery biscuit base yeah but, but i mean talking about truth these these podcasts are pr- quite mm. heavily edited i mean like some of the ep- some of the episodes i will switch the order pe- people say things because I go oh fake fake because the way Deep sometimes fake. when you're going back over a conversation humans are very naturally um you know we go off on tangents and like we say something and then we start and talking someone and we pick farts. up <laughs> and, and we like, pick oh. the thread back up over here and then someone drops a big old Big old nasty big old, farts. Big old nasty fart. I guess that's the question is, would it be the truthful thing to do to include all the bumps and scatological, big word, that that means to do with your ass and, and shit and all that? <laughs> oh, gosh. Sorry, I'm literally <laughs> speaking of just about to burp, but I'm holding <laughs> it in. Okay, good. <clears throat> but is it is it truthful? to include things like pissing and pooing because you think that's important to what like to what extent do we share with people yeah, or, or are you talking about like the podcast it's like should i just leave these conversations completely yeah, unedited but is is but does that make it any more truthful is truth, i don't i don't is think truth so. including all the details basically the devil's in the details the devil is in the details so maybe but I, I, I think that when people talk about truth, they're trying to come to something simplified. Mm-hmm. and Objective and concrete. Objective and concrete. And naturally, to do that, you can't say truth is whatever the Oxford Dictionary thing was. And this, and this, and it's also this, and it's also this, and it's also that fart you had on Wednesday at 3.05 yeah. p.m. Or is it? Or can we ever find what truth is because we're unable to put every single micro detail into our teeny brains? Yeah. I I mean, there's also a thing of like, 
like how like this idea of how much do you leave in how much how much do you how much detail yeah. d- does something need to become truthful if you know something is gonna hurt someone if you tell it to them should you tell them like if mm. i do you know what i mean like if you like yeah it when is it necessary to lie mm. when is it more moral to lie than tell the truth or maybe not lie or maybe just like omit information yeah or i not think say i think what we like to do more as human beings or certainly i i don't think i lie a lot but i think i do put off telling people things or procrastinate when i know that there's a difficult conversation to be had yeah. if i feel a certain way if if there's something that something urgent that i haven't done that i need to tell someone about then i'm less likely to want to tell them the truth i'm I'm much more likely to say oh no everything is fine when there's actually something quite sort of burning in my mind that i think i do need to say to to tell them the truth and it often puts me in difficult situations when i've let a problem fester and i've i've avoided facing up to the truth or telling someone the truth and I'm aware that that is those are moments when I think that truth really matters because when you're not telling the truth or when you're not admitting to the truth you're only delaying an inevitable facing up to the truth yeah. that ultimately and the truth let it get, the get truth worse. will the truth will come to you even if you don't (laughs) want to come to it you cheating lying scumbag husbands are gonna have to tell your wives we're really we're really going after men in this episode aren't we all the men are gonna hate me all the men are gonna hate me except for that one reviewer who said i really hope that you don't think i hate you because i actually really like you and i was like well all, I'm now going to call the show All the Men Are Going to Hate Me. Minus that one reviewer. Minus reviewers <laughs> who identify as men. Please love me. Let's give some context. Maria uh, just had a very a wonderful show on a Campbell, Cam, Camden People's Theatre. I thank you. Called All the Men Are Going to Hate Me. Not yeah, the- which maybe is slightly worth even d- discussing in a tiny bit of detail because... It was an extremely truthful show. This was what I was was about to ask. It's a, would you say autobiographical? I would say I've come down to a really good way to describe it, which is autofiction, which um, I've read some books, which would be called autofiction. And I was really inspired by them to write. Well, the show is effectively about my attempts to write the great female novel of the 21st century. <laughs> and I actually am writing the great female novel of and the 21st like century. And is it the play itself? Or? It, it, it covers a lot of the same territory, but it's less, uh, there are less of, there's less interpretive dance, sadly, because that's difficult to write. Yeah. Uh, however, <laughs> you, can, you, know, you can make it a flip book. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is such a good, with just like a little stick version of me in the corner yeah. doing a little dance. <laughs> wow the forms that the forms are really endless with the novel uh yeah. I, I don't think the limits of the novel have been pushed enough or explored i think novels play it very safe uh okay i'm not <laughs> saying i'm not saying i'm ulysses i'm not saying i'm james joyce but uh i actually um think i'm james joyce although i've <laughs> famously never gotten past page 16 of ulysses because it's just so dense 
I haven't I haven't even attempted, I won't lie. Sorry, Mr. Griffin, <laughs> my English teacher who gave me that book. Oh, that's quite sad actually. Yeah. But so autofiction, why I, yeah. Why did you so all the men are gonna hate me? Going to going to hate me <laughs> all of the men are going to hate me all the king's men <laughs> <laughs> it was in your words auto fiction yes why why did you feel compelled to write something that was it i mean it was a very honest show and it was you weren't you were we this is something i think about a lot because yeah. i write quite autobiographically often yeah i think um, most people do even if they don't say yeah. that they do so that mm, hot I, take. I mean as a writer truth is a very interesting topic because again that universal truth that you're talking about but starting like starting at the basics the character in all the men are gonna hate me mm. is that character you mm-hmm. or is it a fictional version of you it is me in so far as I think we all fictionalize ourselves to a certain extent. Yeah. Um a point I was trying to raise in the play, I don't know if I succeeded, was about our desire to even every day we tell stories. And I think especially when it comes to relationships or hookups or anything of that nature, we love to tell stories about it. We love mm. to tell our friends, Oh my god, guess what happened? Guess you'll never guess and we exaggerate and we exaggerate and we, and we dramatize and i think that i've noticed that propensity in myself so much because i love a good story i love and i know story. when i'm in a situation which might be unpleasant to be in or awkward or yeah. weird but i think of the story potential i mean there's the there's the classic do it for the plot but i i think it it is actually a deep point which is that humans by nature love to express themselves in a way that is more dramatic than reality because it's it's both fun and entertaining to others and I think that entertaining other people is a very human thing to do it's almost like we're gathered around the campfire and I'm saying you'll never guess what stick i found and we <laughs> gave men you know um yeah, for sure. and so that was so i guess to answer it wankily it's it's kind of a commentary on ourselves and our our need to fictionalize our reality mm. in order to make it i'm uh, not to make it necessarily uh palatable but to make it something yeah to make sense of it because the whole premise of the show is that each chapter was a, a new man that i'd slept with and i guess part of me saw it as a kind of dante-esque uh exploration through the circles of hell where i think that when i finally get to the final circle i'll achieve have achieved some level of, of understanding yeah and there'll be light and i will know myself more and i suppose the conclusion is that i kind of don't i kind of do and i don't can you ever truly know yourself and i wanted to write a book where i would tie up all the knots and i would make sense of myself and through sex with men i would come to 
at least understand maybe what 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 that even what what place that even occupies in our lives because yeah. i don't i don't think we really have understood the effects of of casual sex on our psyche for instance i don't think we really know uh what what the current state of like romantic and social interactions what what effect that has had on us and mm. i think it's actually over discussed in a humorous way but under discussed in a deep way in a truthful way in maybe a truthful way almost but i is, also love comedy and i think yeah. comedy is a really important way to get at truths because when you kind of show how ridiculous something is or maybe when you over egg something it exposes it gets that. to the crucial truth at the center of yeah, it yeah it's like why are you laughing oh maybe because you are worried or maybe because you are emotionally affected by this yeah but I also kind of to return to your initial question which was about um truth in in our writing yeah well it's something I think about a lot because I so mm. I, I do poetry yeah um and something I've I think I about do a lot ca- and I, perform I do about. poetry I do poetry I do poetry I do a few lines of poetry in the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> that actually is Gets us <laughs> us doing a few lines of poetry us just spitting bars in the bathroom <laughs> that would be a nice thing to do I feel that, yeah <laughs> that good good poetry um but I yeah I do spoken word and something that I think about a lot and sort of interrogate internally a lot is when I'm on stage performing poetry am I being myself Mm. because or am I putting on the character of Cherry Eccle the spoken word poet because all of my poems not all of them the majority of my poems come from real life things and emotions and things that I'm thinking about and for me poetry is a way for me to explore truth my truth Mm. and my world but then I think when I perform them, a lot, a lot of the time I'm performing poems I wrote in a very different place in my life or yeah. just sort of like emotionally I was writing them totally. when I was feeling this. And now I'm getting up on stage and I'm performing to people. So am I putting on, like, do am I putting on an act? Or am I, I mean, you mm. know, Stanislavski talks a lot about like the truthful, is, is it Stanislavski who talks about like truth in acting? Sounds like him. I don't know. There's, there, I mean, there's that school of thought in acting where I it's mean, like yeah, you he need was to be truthful method, yeah. and you need to be method acting. So am I putting on an act of Cherry the Poet talking about sad things or this thing or this emotional thing that yeah. I went through six months ago? What's funny about the Stanislavski thing is that his whole idea was that you know we needed to use our own personal experience and we bring it to a play to make it truthful so if you are um in a play you know mourning the death of somebody in in the play world you think of a time you've experienced death or passing away of somebody you know in your own life yeah however Though this is what everybody thinks Stanislavski bi- was his big idea was, he actually went back on it very late in his life. Did so he? the Americans picked up on the method and they, they said this is what Stanislavski stood for and 
and that is what we think of him and that's the mm. kind of and now we image. have jared leto sending his classmates rats right dead rats in boxes oh, god. oh my god man. it's just everything that happens with that man confuses me anyway but so then later on in his life Stanislavski was like nah like actually that defeats the whole purpose of acting because acting is to inhabit somebody else's life other than your own so he was like actually this whole method thing has gone way too far um it's not quite necessarily relevant to our discussion but I think just going to clear up the truth about Stanislavski on the pod. <laughs> I came here with one agenda and it was to clear his name. <laughs> Free Stanislavski <laughs> from the chains of the method. That's that's mad because, oh my God, I remember talking about Stanislavski so much. GCSE and A-level yeah, drama. The, everybody's peak, the peak of the theatrical experience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you're not, like, people aren't wrong to think that from Stanislavski because he did stand for that, but he changed his mind, crucially, and I think that, if anything, it just teaches us that you could create a theory and you could be known for this theory but you can change your mind which maybe does come back to truth which is that we never really know we never really know and we're constantly wondering and, and questioning and that can be quite a scary thing isn't it I, I mm. or liberating perhaps both I, I think it's double-edged I think yeah I think you've in my opinion you have to go I don't know and no matter how hard I stamp my feet and scream and wail about this, I cannot change it. So I'm going to accept that and be content. This idea of inner truth, in my opinion, you will torture yourself day and night trying to work out what the truth of the situation is or trying to impose your truth upon the world and everyone Mm. around you but I think happiness comes when you accept situations and that doesn't mean you then become completely kind of okay I can't change anything so I'm just going to sit here and do nothing we accept this is become a bit of a zen buddhist about things I I think it's the thing of like the truth of the world is like like finding acceptance and being like I will never truly know everything but I'm gonna and I'm never truly going to be able to completely change and overhaul the world but I will do what I can yeah and I will I will try and know as much as I can and do as much as I can Mm. and at the end of the day I'm going to accept that you know I think the truth of the world is you know I think xyz there are a lot of things in what you said and I think even trying to tie truth and happiness together is a very sketchy game because we're already talking about what is happiness you know what is what does that mean is it a feeling is it is it also an objective thing i would believe not um is life if is life's goal happiness Mm, not entirely sure i uh, maybe it's just because i'm uh 
second generation immigrant but my parents like to remind me that the goal of life is not happiness uh that the goal of life is is meaningfulness oh i like that which i i do like a lot i prefer that much more because i think that happiness is fleeting and i also think it's it's like oh are you content are you satisfied is it just a kind of a nice feeling is it or is it pure happiness is it like are you transcended beyond the ability to ever feel pain and i'm just in pure happy land i I feel like i think meaningfulness is nice because you you understand that you're still subject to the like peaks and troughs of like life but but you're kind of motivated by as as you were just saying kind of an acceptance of uh, the big things you can't change but also a, a drive that there are things that you can do and it's not all hopeless and it is there are kind of you can i'm going to make a nice metaphor you can tend to the garden of 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 your life you can choose this space uh which you cultivate and it's limited and Mm. it's it's not like the whole world but it is a patch of the world it's a patch of earth and it has value and it and it is real and uh you can make it meaningful through your efforts and through your presence God knows what that has to do with truth. <laughs> well, it's your truth, right? It's the whole thing of like once you talking about like happiness and breaking down, like what is happy? Like, oh my God, it's so fleeting. It's like maybe the truth of the matter is once you try and find, once you start pursuing the truth of things, what is mm. what is the true meaning of happiness? What is the true meaning yeah, of yeah. truth? The, the more you chase it, the 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 more it kind of slips away and the more abstract Mm. it gets yeah I think that and I'm now sort of regretting that I didn't pay more attention to my philosophy classes because (laughs) I could have done a really good answer probably based on based on sort of stuff that Plato and Aristotle and maybe even the pre-Socratics and uh the god who are the others post-Socratics thought about this and um, I'm just trying to take take my mind back here's an ancient Greek philosophy quote for you it's from Aristotle go on philosophy is the science which considers truth oh Aristotle at it again with the bangers (laughs) Sure, Aristotle could write that, but could he write Lana Del Rey's lyrics? <laughs> I think not. Um, and here's another one from Plato. Got more for you. Who who said? I'm sorry. Who said that? Is it Lana who said hope is a dangerous thing for a woman like me to have? I have no idea, babe. I, I'll be honest. I don't really listen to Lana Del Rey. Friendship terminated. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's from Plato. Uh, And now we go over to our uh, philosophy correspondent, Plato. The philosopher is in love with truth. That is, not with the changing world of sensation, 
which is the object of opinion, but the unchanging reality, which is the object of knowledge. That's too many words. It's so many words. I started reading it, and then in my head I went, oh no. That was me for every philosophy lesson I ever did. So he he talks about truth being the unchanging reality, Mm. which is the object of knowledge. I think that is 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 correct to bring knowledge into it because maybe we've we've not talked about it enough because knowledge we said truth is power like knowledge is power sure and um obviously our minds are limited but i think that knowledge is is kind of key with truth because yeah. if you if you if your frame of reference for for something is 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 just you know the cbbs then you're probably not gonna have as much access to truth maybe to get to the truth do you need to assume knowledge yeah it kind of goes back to what i said that i think we're eternal students and that we should be learning Mm. all the time learn through suffering that's what the ancient greeks <laughs> yeah. taught us i i don't believe in that i don't believe how does it go in greek i don't believe you need to mathe pathes mathe pathes and that means yeah, maths comes from the word to struggle no uh, actually maybe it does who knows? <laughs> um no because that's that's the word for knowledge so it means yeah knowledge through suffering I don't agree with that. But, that's but a, I think that's a different, uh, that's a different think, kind of yeah, worms altogether. But I think suffering also includes experience. Yeah. And living. Do you think that when we die, we like unlock all the truths or not? Fuck me, I don't like to, I don't think about it. I don't really think about death I don't that think about, much. I don't. Like compared I, to people, a I lot used of people. To. I used when I was younger, mm. I used to... Dr- stay up all night just thinking about <laughs> what came next th- and like this idea of like death in an afterlife really tortured that's little nine-year-old that was, that's what makes you a philosopher <laughs> that's what makes you a philosopher king <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, to be honest i don't think about death because i go i to, in my opinion i go the truth of the matter is i will never know what happens after death in, unless god comes down and reveals it to me i will never ever know with absolute confidence what happens my dad so likes why to tell am I gonna this, tell this funny i guess story aphorism which is that one time she said um to just one of her friends i was sitting on a bench uh, and and she says you know something like oh you know but we're all gonna die anyway so like what does it matter and then her friend said how do you know that how do you know that you might be the one person doesn't die maybe your dad's immortal maybe your dad is the only immortal why are we assuming that everyone's gonna die out here because you never know it might not happen maybe i think that that's like a deep thing which sounds really banal when you say it (laughs) but (laughs) but but i i like that because you kind of go what if it's a bit of a cheeky it's a bit of a cheeky take on life which i think socrates would have liked because he was a famous cheeky cheeky boy (laughs) (laughs) 
This him. is what a Cambridge degree gets you. Your, <laughs> no, your knowledge real. is. Your, this is the this is the suffering. This is the knowledge you acquired through suffering. <laughs> you know that Socrates is a cheeky, cheeky boy, <laughs> and Ulysses is too long. <laughs> what does a classical education from Cambridge get you? Uh depressing I, to think about. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> depressing to think about. Yeah. Just worms in your brain. <laughs> One may say. One, I think one, as long one, as you're saying one before it, it will sound deep. Exactly. One may say that an objective truth about the world is that everyone dies. But then if you're a cheeky, cheeky boy like Socrates, <laughs> you could come along and be like, well, how That's do you know true. you're going to die? How do you know that what we consider death is mm. actual death? What if there's something else? Yeah. So as Aristotle or, so- or Plato said, um, philosophy is the study and questioning of this quote-unquote unchanging reality yeah it was something like that it's although i've got it up in front of me um the philosopher is in love with truth that is not with the changing world of sensation which is the object of opinion yeah but with the unchanging reality with, which is the object of knowledge i think since you've said it a second time but with it's pauses absorbed. it's really made sense yeah yeah, yeah. sorry that was, that, was, that was my fault sorry guys no 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 it's um, good I, it's good yeah. we're getting we're, we're getting we're getting to the truth to the truth well that that to me what came to my head is like that thing you're talking about where the idea of like there isn't we're all no no one ever truly has an original thought and at the core of everything Mm. is an object is like that truth of like what it is to be human like the idea of like the human condition i do agree with that i do think everybody is chasing like what it i think every i think it's a nice thing as well it's like it's i think a lot of the time when you're realizing things about the world it can often feel depressing or devastating but there are some conclusions you can come to which actually make you think no like it it's it's fine it's all right because we're only human so we're only ever gonna have human thoughts yeah unless ai takes over oh god i don't even like want to talk about ai because it's just so like uh, what okay it's there I don't think it's that interesting and I don't think it's that amazing. I don't think it's actually that life changing as people it's are a, saying. Yeah, it's a whole other can of worms, but like I mm. ugh, I hate Although I do I do like hearing Grimes talk about AI because I think she's very clever. I like, I like the AI. That's, That's your <laughs> Oh my god. We're talking about this idea of like the objective hu- the universal truth. But the okay, human condition. But is the universal truth the same as the universal human truth? When we talk about truth, oh is God. this a fundamentally human thing, or does it exist beyond humans? Are dogs having these conversations? Do you think? But is it only through human language that we can actually identify these things? That's that's a really good point, actually. In the natural world where there isn't human language, do they have a concept of, of truth? truth? Or do they just do what is 
as you say, natural? Do they just get on with they it? They follow their instincts. They get on with it without all this are navel gazing. Are, human, are humans torturing themselves with we this We put the gaze in navel gazing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like you have anything else to say about truth? Is there anything else you want to... Is there anything else you want to explore? Truth hurts, baby. Truth... I mean, yeah, I mean, we kind of touched on it, but... Uh, it does. Like truth hurts. But it I think may, may truth, but I think that ultimately when people tell the truth it's like oh thank I, I think I think truth hurts other people when you say it but I think it helps you because if you don't tell the truth that's hurting yourself too. and I mean I think also in the long run yeah everyone is better off once we like with honesty and maybe that is different from truth as we were saying in the beginning yeah I'm just I just can't believe we started with the idea of this little boy eating an iPad. <laughs> like that was that. that was my way in. <laughs> that was like this is in that was my paragraph one. <laughs> That's my opening. That's your opener. Maria, I am going to say pencils down. That is time up. The exam is over. Oh no, I ran out of time. Can I get your thesis statement to the question? Why does truthfulness matter? Truthfulness matters because as human beings, we do actually possess at least an ability to move towards the truth and it's important for us to go about our lives with a level of curiosity but also acceptance which I think working towards the truth brings. Truthfulness matters because that's what humans are actually kind of programmed to wonder about because we have this language and we have this brain and these thoughts and it is inevitable that we will wonder and wonderment is an important feeling and truthfulness matters because it's tending towards truth have we defined truth as understanding we what baby what is truth baby truth, we, <laughs> baby. There, there is nothing but objective truth and we have defined truth how we want to define it because yeah. that is our truth and if anyone comes for me and tells me i've defined it wrong then i'm gonna say well how dare you because that's my truth and i'm gonna cancel you truthfulness is cancel culture <laughs> <laughs> That's truthfulness is calling out the haters and writing a show about them and exposing everyone i'm living my truth i'm living my truth my truth is a fart on a thursday afternoon at 3 p.m i think that's quite that's beautiful gorgeous actually. that is beautiful i really like truthfulness that. is a fart on a thursday afternoon <laughs> well maria well. 
thank you very much for taking the All Souls Fellowship exam. We have carefully considered your application (laughs) and I am thrilled to congratulate you and welcome you into the hallowed halls of the alumni of the exam hall podcast. Wow. Wow. How does it feel? It feels amazing that the turnaround was that quick for marking (laughs) the paper. Yeah, I'm I wish everyone sent out emails that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you are lucky enough to be an appointed fellow at All Souls, mm-hmm. you are given funding for a 7-year period uh to fund any research project of your choice. Mm. So, they give you board, somewhere to live, they give you a salary, you have access to study any subject of your choosing at Oxford, you're given contacts with leading professionals in your industry or discipline. So it's essentially seven years to learn and discover Mm. with virtually no financial barriers, lots of open doors, lots of opportunities Mm. to achieve whatever you want to achieve. God, that really is the dream, isn't it? Right. What would you do with seven years? Well, I'm not a scientist, but um, if I were to choose the the moral answer, in my opinion, an answer which would lead to hopefully the world being a better place, was I would spend seven years looking into women's health because it's extremely (laughs) under-researched. And I feel like if I got all the big brains of biology in Oxford to actually take time to figure out why my periods are irregular, no, I'm joking, but to actually, you know, spend time looking into to that, then that would be amazing because there's just so much that's unknown and it's so upsetting. And I just know that every other woman in this world has been probably misdiagnosed by a doctor what are you what's the, is it utilitarian what's that's the utilitarian yeah that's, that's the greatest good yeah what a utilitarian answer but then if i wanted to just fuck around and pursue my niche and idiosyncratic interests then I don't know, this isn't particularly niche or idiosyncratic, but I think I would just love to read, like, all the big Russian books because I think then I would... (laughs) turn depressed, probably. (laughs) I was going to say gain access to that truth we care so much about. Um, But I also... the Russians. The Russians have it all figured out. Tolstoy. Why else is... They got it figured out. The, The... the answer is vodka. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, uh, I don't know, I I feel like this is kind of a lame answer, but like I just want to read. Honestly, yeah. I just want to read. I, I think that Read would... anything and everything and write about it. Just, yeah. But maybe, maybe I would take the time to... God, I, I don't know why I was just like, I would write a dissertation on TikTok. <laughs> I would spend seven years figuring out why I'm addicted to TikTok. <laughs> I think I think it's it's almost difficult to imagine working on one thing for seven years. But um I think definitely something to do with 
fiction, autofiction, um, women's place in fiction. Yeah. I just do gender studies. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's That's more of a, like a project. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Well, I like, think it's I think it's one of those things where it's like seven years just feels it feels quite daunting to pick yeah. one thing. So I, I think I think what I would probably do is probably get there then figure it out. That's the best answer. I'd like I'd use it. I'd I think I would probably use it to just like have that freedom yeah. of being able to learn without restriction. Yeah, I just I just think that I've never. I've never ever been happier uh to quote euphoria than when I have been just following my intellectual instincts in that way mm. and it usually just results in a lot of tabs on my laptop yeah <laughs> um, god don't let me look at this shit no I I think I have won the most number of tabs ever opened at one time it's so much <laughs> that it like crashes my computer yeah but um yeah I think that I'd love to actually merge I think what's what for me I would need to be both writing creatively and researching because I think I realised that I struggled at uni when all the work was just write an essay on, write an essay, and I naturally just wanted to write a poem on something instead or, or you know, create something that could be performed. So yeah. I think I would like to be an interdisciplinary intellectual nice as wanky as that sounds (laughs) you've you've kind of touched on this already but is there anything that like you feel like was kind of missing from your education or is there anything that was like that seven years would fix in your past education like any barriers or like any gaps that you're like god seven years with all this sort of financial aid and all this contacts and time like is there anything that you feel like was missing what kind of barriers do you feel like you faced in education I mean I think my education on paper was good it was fine uh and even I'm just thinking about my school like it was a well-performing school but I think that I consistently felt that I was not being taught enough I consistently felt like why were we learning about the Tudors for the fifth time in a row when we haven't even read Chaucer I don't know I think I'm actually really against the British school system because I think that this whole GCSEs A-levels thing kills academic interest and I think it just turns kids into exam machines and I became a very good exam machine and then afterwards felt like I actually could only do that and that I was good at working under pressure and cramming things into my brain but god that like it almost I think killed my academic interest and I realized that as soon as I was out of full-time education that's when I I remember very clearly lying on my bed maybe like a month after graduating and going oh my god I'm so excited to like 
just learn things for myself and I'm so excited to read now that I'm away from that oppressive in my opinion academic environment was that after a levels or after that was after uni because it, it felt just like one long exam machine well that's crazy because then what what is the point of higher education and further education i don't i guess some people would be like well you're getting a qualification and I like it's you, it's you need it to be able to get those high powered jobs but then i i but then that's just like okay so i could become a part of the capitalist system it's like it's just like another box to check whereas yeah. i would go what is the point of a university education if not to be able to satisfy your um urge to learn or what like what is it if not an opportunity to learn and develop yeah I think you do learn but I think you always learn in the ways that you don't realize you probably learn more about how to deal with people than Plato yeah (laughs) and at the when I graduated on the day of my graduation my mum said to me Maria I'm so proud of you you didn't drop out you didn't get pregnant and you didn't get into drugs well not really and then I remember at first going what that was the most kind of what but then I actually thought you know what what she's saying in her own lovely way (laughs) is uh you you did it you survived you survived and you you got through and that's kind of what it is it's I suppose persisting through the experience because good and bad it it teaches you about managing your life it's the first time that you're really kind of out in the world quote unquote not really you're in a bubble but you're out in the world with other people and it's about I think what's probably the most important thing about university is just learning how to be a person yeah who can make pasta and interact with other people and who can you know find connections with people from from different backgrounds and stuff and you can hold your own I honestly felt like most of the struggle in uni was just keeping it together yeah and that is it's it's not nothing (laughs) is is there anything if if you went to all souls and had this seven years is there anything you would do differently than your first time round? i think it would be so much better this time around i think when you're literally 18 or 19 and you go to uni you're just an insecure little bean and it's much more important that 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 you go to a lecture with someone than that you actually learn uh and i think what the lecture is yeah and i i just think that i would i would go there with slightly more skill at maybe balancing my life and also realizing that what's what's really important are the conversations you have because you can write an essay anytime yeah but you can't have that really meaningful chat with someone at 3 a.m you can't have that um you le- you learn so much just from talking to people and connecting with others and it can be academically but it also can be emotionally or um 
yeah, it could be having a podcast. I if I went to All Souls, I would start up a podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and I would, and I it would be like a uh, Kunk, Philomena Kunk. Oh yeah, <laughs> on Earth, that and would, I would just interview. That would be your the seven biggest year brains. Project yeah. <laughs> just one trapping <laughs> the biggest and smartest people you can find. I would and pull a bore out. Silly questions. Yeah, I would just LARP. <laughs> For seven years. For seven years. I would develop lots of different alter egos and exercise them on people (laughs) and start a hit TV show. Oh, well, Maria, I am very glad. And I'd fuck a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Maria, I'm very glad. (laughs) Add a few more chapters into your book, eh? Yeah. I'm I'm very glad that um, out of everyone you could be talking to today, you've come and talked to me in my living room on my blue sofa. I've loved being here. Oh, I've loved having you here. Something about having a conversation in a mic with headphones... It makes you feel important. Makes everything feel really important. Yeah, it does. Before we say goodbye and bid you adieu on your philosophical journey (laughs) to the universal human truth at the centre of everything, (laughs) is there anything you'd like to shout out, promote? Yeah, I would like to... I possibly have too many things to promote. Do it all, do it all, do it all. But, whoa, okay, where do I start? Firstly, I'm going to the Edinburgh Fringe this year. Woo, 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 woo! Woo, what a crazy, crazy idea that is. Uh, And I'm going to be joining all the other art wankers in August uh, in Edinburgh. And I'm going to be performing my own one-woman show called My Dad Wears a Dress. And it's about my experience of growing up with a transgender dad, a trans female parent, if you will. And um, yeah, it's about seeing that topic, quote unquote, through a child's eyes and about basically uh, celebrating non-heteronormative families and showing how, how easy it is for us to fear the truth and fear showing other people the truth about ourselves, but that actually does set you free and you realize you have more in common with other people than you think so that's on it's my dad wears a dress and it's on our underbelly for the whole month at eleven twenty-five a.m <laughs> so if you want a good start to your morning i'm also hopefully one day will publish my novel all the men are going to hate me so uh if that happens look out <laughs> where can they find uh where could they find updates about that currently on my laptop uh hopefully one day waterstones but you can also follow me on instagram at maria talnikov 21 or you can follow all the men are gonna hate me on instagram yeah some dope pictures coming soon of me (laughs) licking ketchup bottles and um i also do an alternative comedy night which is starting for the first time literally tomorrow so it'll probably be too late by the time this comes out are there going to be more but it's going to become a regular thing it's called soft play area and i am hosting that with my best friend vidya and we're going to have an amazing lineup of stand-up comedians clowns musical comedy people but the idea behind it is that everyone tries out something that would make their inner child giggle and it's meant to be a soft 
play area environment which means supportive and it's soft if you fall (laughs) (laughs) no hard edges no corners this is not a hard work location this is a soft (laughs) play area oh amazing i believe that's it but i also am hopefully gonna try and put my poems out there as i have a first book of around 30 poems called songs of inexperience lovely (laughs) which uh, i currently have one whole copy of because i i self-published it fuck yeah maria thank you very very much for being here today i shall now release you into the world with this hopefully newfound life-changing conversation that we have had about truth and a new desire to start up a podcast (laughs) (laughs) gorgeous thank you you're welcome thank you very much for listening to this episode of the exam hall Uh, if you're interested in getting updates from us you can follow us on instagram and twitter at the exam hall pod if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode please get in contact you can click the link in the description which will take you to an expression of interest form or you can follow us on social media at the exam hall pod and get in contact through there on instagram and twitter and while you're there scrolling through the sea of information that is the World Wide web and you think i don't know what's going on with cherry well then you can follow me on instagram and twitter at cherry the echo cherry like the fruit the like the the word the and eckle not like uh, eckles cakes but e-c-k-e-l and you can also find me cherry eckle on youtube i want to give a very very big shout out and thank you to boundless theater whose support has made this podcast possible and i want to give a very very big shout out and thank you to you for listening i hope wherever you are whoever you are whatever you're doing you're having a lovely day and i will see you next time laters